Welcome to the Prodigal and the Priest podcast, a podcast about faith, sports, and two friends from different cultures. Here are your hosts, Joey Scansella and Father Paul Bechter. Father Paul. What's up? How you doing, man? Doing well. Yeah. Super Bowl Monday after the Super That's Bowl. Right. <laughs> that yeah. was just last night. Yeah, we, it was. We hung out and we we watched the Super Bowl. It was kind of a crazy Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah, kind of. I mean, it wasn't like fireworks, but it was lopsided dominance. Right. By okay. the greatest of all time, <laughs> Tom Brady. So we watch, just before we go into the mass part three, which is really just <laughs> the liturgy of the <laughs> word. We haven't gotten that far, people. But before we go in, we just have to say, so Father Paul came over to my house. You, you had, First off, you had the 430 mass. I had the 430 mass, which, which I also had last year on the Super Bowl. <laughs> which you're probably the biggest sports fan out of any of the priests. Oh, by far. It's... No contest. Like, did Father Francisco even know it was the Super Bowl? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> okay. And did Father Henry watch, you think? Uh, he probably turned it on at some point, <laughs> and he might have watched the whole thing. He'll, I, I want to know what he thought of the normal... halftime show. <laughs> I don't know if he watched that. Okay. I don't know. But, so you did, you did, You had to do 430 Mass. So I, I did a sacrificial thing. It was, it was a beautiful sacrifice. It is like laying down one life. Or another. So we paused the game so that it started. We both hadn't seen anything when you came in after, you know, greeting people still. You still even gave a normal homily. I was like wanting you to just be yeah, like. It was definitely my longest homily of the weekend. Uh, no, it <laughs> the wasn't. Longest, yeah, I, I, think, I think it was longer oh than the gosh. noon and the, the 5 p.m. the day before. Same homily, but it just got longer. Meanwhile, I'm just sitting there. I got dinner prepared, all of that. <laughs> Greg's waiting for you to finish. So, Greg, the whole point of this is Greg the seminarian, our pastoral year seminarian, came over with Father Paul. He is a big Green Bay Packer fan. Mm. Obviously, he's still devastated from the loss to Tom Brady and the Bucks. In Was that the NFC Championship? championship there you game, go. Yeah. NFC Championship game. And also, he has a thing against Tom Brady. You know, he hates that people think Tom Brady is the greatest, yada, yada. So if you see Greg, just throw up a TB12 sign. He'll love it. So anyway, <laughs> let's get into the mass. Um, Prodigal and the Priest, um, gmail.com or stanamparish.org slash PTP. Those are ways to follow us and find us. Watch us all on YouTube. You're going to want to check out Friday's edition mm. of our question segment, Prodigal and the Priest and me, because... We're having a friend of yours, if you want to give a yes, little plug. we are. Um, Jack. Mm -hmm. My friend Jack McCafferty. He's, McCafferty. He's kind of like a cousin uh, <laughs> through marriage, twice removed. Uh, I don't know. He's he's the husband of my cousin's sister-in-law. Okay. And he's the godfather of my cousin's baby who I baptized. Got it. Anyway, uh, Jack's a friend, and he's also a... Uh, an Eastern Catholic, 
Uh, he's a Ruthenian Catholic, uh, goes to a Melkite Catholic church, both of which use the Byzantine liturgy. Mm. And it gave us an answer to finally, uh, uh, an opportunity to finally answer poor Patty's question from like 11 months ago or whenever it was. <laughs> it was uh, like the first question I think we got can, yeah, or something. Can, can you give a quick uh, description of the differences and similarities between Byzantine and mm-hmm. uh, Latin liturgies mm-hmm. because she's a Ruthenian, uh, a Ukrainian Catholic mm-hmm. and they also use the Byzantine liturgy just like Jack's uh, Melkite and Ruthenian churches. All of, all of those are com- in communion with Rome. We explain a lot more on Friday when we're going to talk with him. Yeah. Um, yeah. Highly, highly recommend yeah. it. And it's a super it's, episode, super episode. And it's, it's kind of great, kind of mind blowing. So, well, we killed five minutes already. So let's uh, <laughs> jump into the liturgy of the word. Liturgy this shouldn't take too long. So recap, we've, we've come into <laughs> mass. We've, we've bowed, we've kissed the altar. We've done the opening rite and, and all of that, the, the mass intention, right. the penitential, rite. Um, we've sang the Gloria, um, everybody said the collect said the collect, not to be confused with the collect mm-hmm. and, um, everybody has taken a seat and we're now going to listen attentively to the word of God. Um, man, that's so- the line they teach y'all. I feel like so many priests are like, <laughs> please be seated and listen attentively to the word of God. <laughs> I've never heard anyone say that. Really? I've never heard anyone say attentively. Oh, I've heard multiple priests say it before. But anyway, so okay. uh, we have we have technically, probably if you want to get technical, four readings, right? Because the psalm, mm-hmm. um, although it's not read, it's sung. Right. I mean, we're pulling from sacred scripture oh, yeah. there. So uh, we hear from the Old Testament, the psalm, New Testament. We're, don't worry. I'm not going to just rush through because I'm sure you got nuances for all of these. Um, and then obviously the gospel. Um, I mean, it would be easy to say, yeah, one from the old, one from the new, one from Jesus's life, but I'm sure there's something deeper than that. Oh, there's a lot more. Um, (laughs) (laughs) okay. So So what do you got? All right. So first of all, in general, yes, first reading from the old, second reading from the new, but during the Easter season, the first reading comes from Acts of the Apostles, which is also the New Testament. So you have two New Testament readings. So already... You were a little bit wrong in your description. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, and it makes sense because, you know, during the Easter season, you're in the post-resurrection pre-Pentecost time. Mm-hmm. And that's when Acts of the Apostles, well, actually, that's not really when Acts of the Apostles is happening. That's when the first chapter of Acts of the Apostles is happening. Um, but it's still a good thing to read during that season. Um, so that is the way the... A current form called the ordinary form looks. Uh, the extraordinary form, the older form of, of the Latin liturgy, um, only has one first reading, or one reading. It has reading, and then thing that we'll call responsorial psalm for now, and then alleluia, and then gospel. Hmm. So it's just one reading. So kind of like our daily mass. Like our daily masses. Unless it's a particular type of feast day and then you get a whole bunch of readings as preparatory sort of at the beginning but that's a different thing um so you have the first reading like joey said from the old testament during ordinary time that reading is chosen specifically to be paired with some theme from the gospel 
And so there's a lot of unity uh, on your normal Sunday masses when we're wearing green. That means we're in ordinary time, which means counting time. It doesn't mean boring time or plain yeah, time. Boring. Ordinal numbers. One, two, three. You're counting. Sorry, first, second, third. Um, whatever. Um, ordinal and cardinal. Anyway, you're counting. Um, and you're wearing green during that time. Because so it's kind of like meh. <laughs> yes, because it's kind of <laughs> like meh. That's what it says in the documents. Um, so uh, it's really helpful if you prepare the readings beforehand, which is a great thing, um, to read the gospel and then read the first reading and be like, why was this chosen? Because uh, you're not reading continuously through any book of the Old Testament Sunday to Sunday. Right. It's always chosen to be paired with the gospel like a fine wine. <laughs> with a, okay. Um, the psalm acts as a bridge uh, in the way it's chosen. So the psalm fits in with that theme. Um, the second reading on a Sunday of ordinary time, and I'll explain why I'm making that distinction between ordinary time and the other seasons in a minute. But the second reading is from the New Testament, and that is not normally paired with anything from the first reading and the gospel. Mm. That one is read semi-continuously uh, through like the letters of St. Paul, basically. And then the Catholic letters, like first, second, and third. See, people, John. this is good stuff to know. People are like, good why were stuff. those like yeah. a lot of... You should be asking, like, like questioning, demanding of the readings. Why are you here and not other ones? The church could have chosen anything. Like, is it because of an ancient tradition that on this Sunday we would read this gospel? Is it because last Sunday we had this other gospel before? Like, you need to interrogate the liturgy, and that's really going to help you engage with it in a way that maybe you've never done before. Um, and then you'll be like, why didn't the priest talk about this thing? Everything's connecting. <laughs> it's, anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, yeah, the second reading is typically, it's... It's almost always a reading from St. Paul, and we read sort of semi-continuously. Uh, what I mean by that is we don't read every single passage, but more or less we, we get the big hits of like the letters to the Romans and Galatians and 1st, 2nd Corinthians, Ephesians, all the Thessalonians, all, all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just work our way through those. So that's the way the, oh, and then the, the actual first principle um, there is a three-year cycle of Gospels uh, that we that we sort of order ourselves um, with. Year A, we read through the Gospel of Matthew. Year B, we, which we're in right now, we read through the Gospel of Mark. Year C, we read through the Gospel according to St. Luke. I want to say it's year B in the summer we dedicate like a whole month to reading through uh, just John 6, six, which is the teaching on the Eucharist, because uh, it's that important. Mm-hmm. Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life within you. All that, like we spend a lot of time. It's also a very long chapter, like 66 or 68 or something verses. Um, so it takes a while to get through it. I don't think but it's like, 66, right? Six, six, yeah, 60 something. Um so, but like for the rest of that year, we're reading through whatever synoptic gospel, so Matthew, Mark, or Luke, and then we'll just dip into John <laughs> on special occasions. 
uh, also things during Holy Week and things during Lent. Okay, one last note on how yeah. the re- readings are chosen. What I said was true for ordinary time when we wear green, uh, but there are seasons which are called, well, Italian has a better name for them. They're called tempi forti, <laughs> the strong times, mm. strong seasons. Sounds weird in English, but penitential seasons, basically. So Lent and Advent, those are preparatory penitential, and very ancient liturgical seasons um, that lead up to Easter and Christmas, which then have their own seasons sort of following in the wake of those uh, central and massive feasts uh, of Christmas and Easter. You have the whole season of Christmas after that and the whole season of uh, Easter uh, leading up to Pentecost. And then actually you used to have a whole little season um, of Epiphany Tide, because the Epiphany is a very ancient feast that was celebrated more prominently than Christmas for quite a while. Anyway, the readings in those seasons tend to revolve around a single theme for the Sunday. So we're not reading in the second reading, like you're not just reading semi-continuously through some letter of St. Paul. Like the second reading then is tied very consciously and intentionally to some theme in the gospel which is chosen, uh, the gospel would be chosen on, say, a given Sunday of Lent, not because we're in year B or whatever, Mm -hmm. um, and we're reading through Mark and we're at this stage of it, but because, like, the first Sunday of Lent, uh, for all three years, year A, year B, year C, we read about Christ going out into the desert to fast and to battle the devil uh, for 40 days. Mm. Um like, that's a good way to start Lent, right? Second Sunday of Lent, we always read the account of the Transfiguration. Because um, the tradition with the 40 days until the Ascension and stuff. I, I don't know. I forget exactly. I looked it up a while ago. <laughs> um, I don't All know, right. man. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's a thing. It's been a that. thing for a while. You read the man, Transfiguration. Man, 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 man. <laughs> <laughs> you, read, you read the Transfiguration on the second Sunday of Lent, and then you you switch to Johannine Gospels after that, uh, Gospels from from John or readings from the Gospel of John, because um, you're focusing like on some of the mysteries of the person of Christ, and there's nothing like the Gospel of John to do that. So that's all to say that's how the readings are chosen, and then I have one more note actually on the responsorial Psalm now. Uh, in its current form, it acts as a bridge thematically between the first reading and the gospel. Mm. Um, in its older form, it wasn't called a responsorial psalm. It was called the gradual. Um, and gradual just means step, uh, like you're taking a step. And it was a link sort of thematically also, but also like musically and aesthetically between the epistle, which was the first reading, I'm talking about sort of the older form yeah. of, of the Roman liturgy now. Um, so you would have the first reading called an epistle. Um, then you would have the gradual, which makes a step between that and the Alleluia. Mm. And the Alleluia leads into the gospel. Um, and the gradual, almost always taken from a psalm. I can't think of anything off the top of my head. That wouldn't be. Um, so it's got like 
it would have kind of a familiar feel, but it's it's a very ornate chant um, from uh, sort of like two psalms put together or some right. sort of mashup of scripture verses uh, that acts as this like thematic, but also because of the ornateness <laughs> of the chant. It's called melismatic when you go up and down on just one syllable for a long time. A whole bunch of notes, but just one syllable of the text. Um, and so that's that's a really, really big and complex thing. Um, that is still an option for us to use, but there's very few places that will use it. The responsorial psalm is is like, I, I, I explained a couple episodes ago in the, the opening episode to this about like the entrance antiphon mm-hmm. uh, as being an option that can be replaced by the entrance hymn. Um, that's also true for the responsorial psalm and the ga- gradual. The gradual is option one. There's some other options, and I forget what they are exactly. It's like different sort of forms of the gradual from different books, I think. Mm. And then the responsorial psalm is like option three or four. Got it. Um, but it's the normal one for us. So right. Uh, yeah, that's uh, a. <laughs> That's yeah. That's that's, I feel like I did that all in one breath. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was great. Didn't, didn't um, stop to breathe. Um, I guess a little follow up on that though that I'm I'm just thinking about. So is it true that all of year A, B, C? What percentage? Like that doesn't get you all of the Old Testament. No, it doesn't. Um, so what percentage? is not like you you feel i feel like you're the type that would know this kind not of off what the top of my head. percentage is om- um, not i'll use the word omitted but yeah. you know from, yeah. uh, from doesn't make it doesn't yeah. make the cut right okay so the 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 liturgy of the hours the divine office um is i think when they were sort of mapping out cuz this is all sort of vatican 2 forward so for the last 60 years uh, before that, we didn't have a three-year cycle. There was a one-year cycle. And so every, like, you know, the 15th Sunday after Pentecost would always have the same gospel. So See, you, I kind of like that. I kind of like it, too, because it really, like, you start associating things um, with yeah. that Sunday. You're like, oh, this is when we read this gospel. But when right. you stretch it out over three years... It's harder to to make that association. You're like, oh yeah, I remember three years ago when we got this. Yeah. So it's a it's a trade off. Like, you can't read as much. You can't be exposed to as much scripture uh, if you have a one year cycle, um, and you only have like one first reading instead of like yeah, even two. way less. Yeah, yeah. So you don't get as much, but you learn it better because you hear it more. Mm. Um, so it is a trade off, which is an issue with Catholics. I mean, yeah. when we really look at it. And, and yeah, we're I not think, familiar with, like, we're vaguely familiar with it, but we don't yeah. have it on lockdown. And our memorization of scripture, terrible. <laughs> terrible. I mean, our Protestant brothers and sisters put us to shame. Okay. Yeah. If you're not a no, priest, and it, heck, I'll even just if say, you are a priest. yeah, I was going to say, a lot of priests don't even know it. So uh, I, I feel like I'm friends with a few that are, are very good. At memorizing scripture and so maybe I, I give that a little bit more of a pass but I mean in one of my uh, we did a class scriptural foundations of catechesis and um, uh, it was a great class but we had to memorize a bunch of things and it was the best thing I ever did in my life because yeah. I was like here I'm starting to 
know and learn scripture and I still, you know, first Peter three fifteen, always be ready to give a reason for the hope you have in Christ Jesus. You know, like those things you can rattle off and actually use in conversations without being like, you know, first Peter says, but actually being like, I just try to always, you know, give a reason for the hope I have, you know, and people don't even know it happens to be from scripture. So I I just, I don't know. I want to toss that out that that kind of does bother me. And I think a lot of times people zone out from the layman's perspective Mm -hmm. in the pew. What I am witnessing looking around is just kind of glazed over. Yeah. Zoned out during the readings. Zoned out. And it's, it's, it's a shame. No, it's sad. Um, the best way to combat zone out during the readings is to prepare them beforehand, to read over them and to start like interrogating them um, and mm-hmm. looking for connections. And then like you're already engaged. And then when you hear it proclaimed, which is an important thing liturgically, like yep. Christ himself through his liturgy proclaims his word. Mm-hmm. Um that's a really big deal. Like yep. if he was standing there physically present, uh, we would be hopefully uh, not letting a single word escape. Right. Uh, the same person is proclaiming his word, uh, but liturgically, not physically. Right. And uh, and we just drift off and zone out. So we want to try and combat that uh, as much as we can. And um yeah, take advantage of this this great gift of hearing the word of God proclaimed. Um, yeah, I, I took a class when I was at UD on the Gospel of John. And for our midterm test, like before we even really started going deep into it, he said, like, you need to, the Gospel of John is just too deep. Um, it's so profound theologically, and there's so many connections. You need to have some idea of what's going on in there first before we start studying it. So for our midterm, uh, before we really got to like analyzing chapter by chapter, he, as, as a big part of the midterm test, he would just put random quotes from the gospel of John and we'd have to say what chapter they were from just so Mm -hmm. that we could like identify things. It's like, that sounds like chapter three, Nicodemus. Or that sounds like chapter 17, priestly prayer of Jesus, or chapter 19, crucifixion, or something like that. Yeah, um, had to know the scriptures. Yeah, and like I studied so hard for that, and I got a friend to quiz me, and like this is when I was first really embracing my faith, I'd, like taking it seriously for about a year up to that point. Right. And I mean, I I studied that a oh, 12 years ago, I think. And I still remember it very, very well. Oh yeah. Cause it just, it made such an impact on me that that was a, that there were a lot of key pieces that brought me into seminary, but like basically memorizing the structure of the gospel of John Absolutely. was was a huge one of them. Um, we could do a whole episode on the history of memorization. And so it's actually <laughs> fascinating. I've got a book on it and some things, but I mean, I but, assumed you had a book on it. I yeah. mean, you well, have I've got a two actually. <laughs> Um, it's a black cover and it just yeah, says one, sin. One co- <laughs> <laughs> that was my favorite thing. I'm reading this book. It's called Sin. All right. Anyway, yeah. so we we so, hear a reading so from this. you know Old Testament, the Psalm, um, New Testament. Yeah, you have the Alleluia um, verse. The Alleluia verse. Or during verse. Lent, we don't sing Alleluia. We sing Praise, praise you, Lord, Lord Jesus, Jesus Christ. Christ. 
king of, of endless, endless glory. glory. That's right. Oh, very good. We're um, ready. Lent's almost here. So I want to. I want to hit a little. Session. Yes. So I want to hit a little nuance on the gospel here, because um, we're actually doing well on time so far. But this will derail us. So, and I pick up on this even more because. I help do the live stream here. And Mm. so, you know, operating the camera and seeing things. But so if a deacon is present, we sing, we're singing during the Alleluia or the praise, praise be to you, Lord Jesus Christ. And the deacon goes over to the priest Mm -hmm. and he bows and you see the priest say something and laying of hands, proper turn ish. No, I make the sign of the cross over him. Okay, they don't put their hands over as a prayer? No, you go like this. Okay. I, I do anyway. Okay. I, I think that's what you're supposed to do. That's what you're supposed to do. I probably <laughs> seen some bad yeah, things. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you've yeah, seen yeah. <laughs> So what is, maybe the, that's what, is, what is the point of that and what is yeah. said there? Okay, so the deacon, his one of his proper roles in the liturgy is to proclaim the gospel, um, which is a really cool thing when you think about it. Um, yeah, because not, uh, not just anybody. Just, yeah. I mean, let's just yeah. drill. Nobody, yeah, okay, like, so I like, just get, it's like, oh, you have a hoarse voice. Yeah, and like. And there's no deacon. There's no I, deacon. I just can't like, I'll fill in. I'll take the gospel. No, that's, no. that's a, that's something that is reserved for those who are, are ordained. Um, uh, holy orders. Holy <laughs> orders, yeah. Yeah, I was trying to think of some other words for it. Holy orders. Um, uh, as like, this is our proper function. Mm. And so, so it belongs to the deacon properly to proclaim the gospel. Um, and he comes over and he receives a blessing from the priest. So he, he starts by saying, I, I think these, these like silent prayers that nobody ever hears are really cool things when they finally get to, to hear him. So he says, your blessing father. And I'll say, so he actually says that out yeah, loud. He, he has, has to, to ask, ask for, for it, it first. Yeah. He says that oh. and then he bows down. And then I say, May the Lord be on your heart and on your lips that you may proclaim his gospel worthily and well in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And as I'm saying, the Trinitarian uh, persons, I'm making the sign of the cross. Nice. And I say, Amen. And then he goes, he says, Amen. And then he goes and he picks up the gospel and starts the gospel procession. And a woman. Go ahead. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I had to derail. Derailed. I was doing so good. I oh, know you are. So track. he takes, uh, takes yeah. the book of the gospels. Yeah, so he has he's now received this blessing, um, and there's a whole actual history to that prayer. It's kind of a mashup of two other prayers. One of them has like imagery from Isaiah. Uh, I think it's like Isaiah six or three or something. We we're just talking about knowing scripture, but it's early um, when he says, "Oh, I you know have unclean lips. I cannot do this thing." And then so the angel takes the coal and touches it to his lips and says, be purified. And like there's, there's sort of a symbolism in some of the prayers that are synthesized into the form of this blessing right now. Right. Um, just some history there. And so he takes the gospel and he processes with it. And we make a big deal of the gospel because this is not only the word of God, but it's the word of God containing the record about the word made flesh. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, the words that he spoke. <laughs> so it's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, the gospel is rightly the center <laughs> of everything mm-hmm. uh, for us. And so we have a special book just with the gospels. It's called the book of the gospels. 
the evangelarium. Yeah. But yes. I mean, um, in, in English terms, yes. book of the Gospels. And so he processes with it. Uh, it's actually, like, it's very fitting, liturgically fitting, um, to do a bigger procession than we normally do here, where you would have, like, someone with a thurible with incense and servers with candles going with the deacon mm. as he goes over. And so they would stand with candles on either side of the ambo. That's the name of the the podium, basically, where the deacon proclaims the wor- the, the gospel and where the first readings are proclaimed. Right. Um, it's called the ambo. And uh, you would have a server on either side holding a candle who had processed over there with him and a server holding the incense. And then he would incense the book of the gospels uh, before... Actually, if you're going to do this like the most solemn way we have, he would chant the gospel. I've heard done at St. Peter's before, and it was really beautiful. Nice. Um, I have friends who got to do that uh, when they were transitional deacons. You did it for uh, uh, Palm Sunday last year. Yeah, Palm Sunday. That was, that was that's long. a much, much longer version. Yeah, yeah. yeah much longer version um, than it would be on a given Sunday, but you can do something like that on a normal Sunday. Um, and it really starts to, when, when you do all those things, it's not just like pulling out the stops for the sake of it or because yeah. people like incense or right. whatever, smells and bells. Yeah. But like when you do all those things, it starts to give like proper emphasis <laughs> in the right places so that not everything seems just flat. Um, like ordinary time. Meh. Yeah. Meh. <laughs> and, green, and like, green. and like we do a lot of stuff like we. You know, we sing the Alleluia, yeah. and that's a big thing, and it does give a certain we're standing. You right. know? it gives a certain prominence, but this just elevates it even more to like really the pinnacle of the liturgy of the word is the proclamation of the gospel. Right, um, and then you have like a sort of a dip back down with the homily. <laughs> right, yeah, um, always, always <laughs> huge and, dip, and kind of like everything ending with the creed and then and then you sort of ramp back up again uh through the liturgy of the word uh of the eucharist which we'll get to later yeah um so two other nuances want to hit on quick because we're pretty much out of time one is the importance of the words the people say with after you know a reading from the holy gospel according to mark Mm -hmm. and we make the sign of the cross on our forehead on our lips on our heart, right? Yeah. And I feel like that's just done. I feel like it's just one of those things kind of similar to what you mentioned with the sign of the cross, which is really Upside a down T. <laughs> yeah, like it's just kind of the, right. like most people, I don't think you can really tell what they're doing, why they're doing it, what they're yeah. supposed oh, to yeah, be yeah, saying. Awesome. I mean, I don't even know if what I fully say is technically what you're supposed to say. <laughs> like I say, like you, we say glory to you, O Lord. Right. But I also... As I do it, um, I, I, I was taught this at some point. I don't know if it was in Catholic school or what, but I was taught Jesus be in my mind uh, to hear the gospel on my lips to proclaim it and in my heart to receive it. I like it. Uh, yeah, it's nothing. But I was like, I've never heard that anywhere else, but I was taught it at some point. But um, what is what is the significance of it? Yeah. Oh, of the threefold cross yeah. and, and stuff? Like, why do we I mean, do that? Three, so Trinitarian persons is already a thing, uh, like whenever you have three, right? Right, but why not, uh, I mean, during the Old Testament or the New Testament or any of that? I mean, is it just because it's the gospel? Yeah, because it's the gospel. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, kind of kind of stump you on this. <laughs> well, I know it's an old thing, um, because they they do it in all the the older forms of the liturgy that I've seen, but um, I don't know why they do it exactly. Mm. I do know that, like, <laughs> I was taught it's it's nice to. Okay, so so one thing that happens um, that people don't see is is like. As the priest says, a reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke, mm. he's making the sign the sign of the cross with his thumb on the opening words of the gospel. Mm. And the name of Jesus is normally like one of those opening words. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesus just, went to a deserted exactly, place, yeah. you know. Yeah, in those days. Yeah. And so, um, so you're making the sign of the cross there. Right after you say, the Lord be with you and with your spirit, and then a reading. And as you're saying a reading, you're making the sign of the cross there. And then you immediately start going up to the forehead. So, And you're trying to time it, at least I am. This is what I was taught. So it's, it's a reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Um, so that like so it that, all flows. So that it flows, and also if people are following you, because normally they won't start making those three signs of the crosses till the priest does or the mm-hmm. deacon does. If they're following you, um, and if you wait until after you've said those words to start doing it, they're normally signing their mouth at the same time they're saying, <laughs> glory, glory to you, Lord. Mm. So it's like, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Good but, distinction. but that's, but that's just a small thing, like mm-hmm. a, a little, that falls into what's called Ars Celebrandi or the art of, of what ought to be celebrated. Mm. Um, which, which means like, those are the little things some of which are prescribed, some of which are not, that right. sort of go together to make the aesthetic of the Mass correspond to what its theological significance is. So by outward signs, drawing out the inward meaning, that kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, that's a that's a big thing. And then you kiss the book of the Gospels, actually, and the priest says, a, or the deacon says a beautiful prayer. Uh, it, <laughs> sorry. By the <laughs> by the words of the gospel proclaimed, may our sins be wiped away. Um, I don't know exact that that's what it means. I actually, if there's like a priest or a deacon listening to this, you'll be like, you don't even know those words. It's because in seminary, the the teacher said uh, like that this is one of the, the most sort of beautiful and short bits of Latin poetry that you'll find. And so I've just always said it in Latin. Which you're allowed to do, but per evangelica dicta de leantor nostra delicta, you can hear the dicta de leantor delicta. Right. So it's by the per evangelica. So through the gospel, dicta spoken. Mm. Um, de leantor may they be deleted. Nostra our delicta. So through the dicta, the things which are spoken are delicta our derelicts or mm-hmm. our delicts right um our sins uh maybe blotted out um and so that's what the priest says or the deacon says after he proclaims the gospel as he's kissing the book of the gospels kissing it in the same place that he crossed right at the beginning where the name of jesus is nice uh, so there's a lot of little things that go on that people don't see and a little bonus to end because we're over time is if a bishop is present it doesn't end there. They bring 
Yeah, they bring the book of the Gospels back to the bishop. So you're supposed to remain standing. Yes. Which drives people, I'm sure, clergy insane. Oh, nobody's, because, nobody's used to it. Yeah, nobody's used to it. And, and so yeah. they bring it over to the bishop to... To kiss it. And then he will hold it. I don't actually know if that's a real thing or just something somebody started doing. Like, I don't know if it's if it's written... In Maybe we rubrics. can get a bishop in on a Yeah, on let's a, get a, a guest bishop yeah. to clear up this <laughs> tiny question that I could easily look up. I, I just, I, I, I may be totally wrong on that, but I remember in seminary learning, I think, that that was just something that sort of caught on in mm. recent times um, where the bishop would take the book of the Gospels and then sign everybody with it. And it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Um, but I think you're just supposed to bring it over to him to kiss and um, then be seated. And then be seated. Mm. Uh, and so it brings us to the low point, which we'll get to uh, next time. The homily. Called the homily. <laughs> <laughs> okay. um, For the liturgy of the word part two, we didn't make it through. <laughs> we kind of made it through. Pretty yeah, much. Yeah, but we still have the homily, the creed, uh, the intercessions, and the I creed. I know, I know. But we had to break <laughs> it up somewhere. So on behalf of Joey Scantella, Father Paul Becker, I want to say take care. God bless. See you all next time. Tune in for Jack on Friday. Peace. Peace. <laughs>